This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Attention all serious natural lifters. Remember these two great websites, physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. Write them down and visit them often. physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whelan. Tonight, our guest is Dan Senadoza. I have known Dan for about 15 years. He lived in Maryland, north of Baltimore, when I lived in Washington, D.C. Dan made the long drive several times to work out at my gym, Whalen Strength Training. Dan is one of the best, high-quality, and most well-rounded guys I know. A true family man who really gets what life is about. Dan had the farmer's walk record at WST, usually done after the workout. We used a pair of atomic athletic utensils loaded to 110 pounds each, and we competed by who had the least amount of times putting down the weights to finish the course. Most people put them down 20 times or more to finish. Dan had the record with one. He was the only trainee to carry 110 pounds in each hand, 220 total, around the entire city block surrounding the gym, only putting them down once. Dan used to leave various metal objects on my desk almost every time he came. They were things like metal bars and objects, that he had bent and twisted into all sorts of designs and shapes. I was building quite a scrap heap metal collection in my office from Dan. His car was filled with phone books, nails, and other tools of the strongman trade, and he would do various feats after his workout was done. Dan is a certified captain of crush, and I've seen him close my Iron Mine number three gripper with ease on several occasions. He competes as a strongman and has won the Maryland Strongest Man Contest and has also been a six-time national qualifier. Dan has a bachelor's degree in exercise science from Towson State University and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He holds other fitness certifications as well. Dan has also spent time working with the Baltimore Ravens. He has written several articles for naturalstrength.com and strongfirst.com. Dan is also involved with boxing and the martial arts. To contact Dan, please visit his website, artandstrength.com. That's A-R-T-and-strength.com. Big Dan, thanks for your time, and welcome to Natural Strength Night. Hey, thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. I know your father has multiple black belts in karate, jiu-jitsu, and aikido. You were practically raised in fitness and the martial arts. Please tell us a little information about, you know, where you were born and raised, your early background, and what got you started in strength training. Well, actually, uh, my dad's got black belts in uh, karate, kung fu, not jiu-jitsu, kung fu, and uh, and now Aikido. And actually, there was a little story about the uh, the kung fu black belt where uh, he, before he went in for his testing, this is before he tested, they told him that they were not going to pass him for whatever reason. I don't know. I think it was some kind of, you know, you know, politics or 
some BS like that. I don't know. Uh, but they told him they weren't going to pass him, which is odd because normally when you, you know, you test for a, a you know, a belt, they tell you you're going to test, you're ready to test. So why they, yeah. they, they told him to test and, and told him they weren't going to give it to him, I don't know. But so, so actually he never did get that black belt. Uh, and, uh, uh, there was a <laughs> he, he made a he made quite an exit though because what they did was um, part of the testing he did the testing part of the testing was he had to fight two instructors you know with the headgear and the pads and all that stuff <laughs> and um, most of the other guys like everybody else testing they would just run and try to not get hit well my dad squared up with this one instructor that uh, he, they may have had a little friction. Uh, and maybe that had something to do with why he wasn't going to get his black belt. Uh, but uh, he squared up with him, and those, those two went toe-to-toe. They dropped each other. Actually, it was the second instructor that dropped my dad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was quite the, – the fireworks really went off on that one. But uh, So so uh, he, he technically doesn't have that black belt in Kung Fu, but uh, I, I just say he does anyway. He should. But anyway, long story short, Dad's a lifelong martial artist. Grew up with it uh, in the house. We always had punching bags, uh, hand grippers, you know, things like that in in the basement. So, you know, I mean, I could kick about the same time I learned to walk. And, uh, you know, between uh, Dad, my brother, and I, that was kind of like, you know, uh, that was our... Uh, that was what we did with dad. You know, some, some guys had fathers that, I don't know, taught them how to work on cars or through, through footballs with them. My dad taught us how to fight. And, uh, uh, yeah, so grew up with it. Um, was born in DC. Uh, parents lived in Laurel at the time and was born in George Washington hospital. Uh, grew up, in the Maryland area, most of my early life, we did spend a little bit of time in Arkansas, maybe a year or so when I was, I don't know, real young too, maybe living with my grandparents, uh, but moved uh, back up here, uh, bounced around from Essex, Parkville, settled in Perry Hall at about, uh, I don't know, third grade, and um, basically stayed there until... You know, I uh, grew up, got married, and recently moved uh, a little further north. But, I mean, I'm still here. I've got a gym in Perry Hall, and that's, you know, what's where most of my business is done. Yeah, did your father lift weights? Uh, Dad did lift some weights, and he still does. Uh, his thing was more martial arts, obviously, and, you know, he did that to stay in shape. But, yeah, he, he worked out. He would run. He would lift weights, you know, uh so he's, you know, he's he's still regular. Right. What got you started in strength training? How old were you? Well, as I said, we always had it in the basement. So I lifted on and off throughout, you know, high school. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't get serious about it until about 19 years old. That's when I say working out became training. Mm-hmm. And what got me into it? Uh, really, I was I was tired of being fat. I, um, you know, it was uh, a couple years after high school, so you know, gym class wasn't happening, and you know, I'm eating terrible, I'm, I'm inactive, I'm drinking beer, I'm, you know, playing video games, I'm screwing around, and uh, putting on weight. So, you know, started working out, and uh, first it was like. It was more of a bodybuilding focus, and uh, then it was actually, I believe, the death of the Menser brothers where I got introduced to high-intensity training and Arthur Jones, and through following him, uh, I found, like, Cyberpump, you know, Cyberpump.com, and... uh, uh, and and a lot of the, the the HIT you know principles that they talk about in there, and that's where I found like you know Stuart McRobert and Hard Gainer and you know Dr. Ken and 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 you you know reading your articles in Hard Gainer. Uh, that's about so, the time when I first met you, probably a little after 2000. Yeah, yeah, it was early 2000, maybe 2001 or so, uh, 2002. Yep. I remember Again, I reached remember- out to you. 
with just cool regular like, with like questions picking your brain and uh uh at first you didn't reply and then i i i uh i, I sent a follow up like like you know what i think i think i found my answers thanks anyway and you were like give me a call and give me your number and then i called you and we had like this cool this great conversation and i was like oh man this guy's awesome yeah he writes for hard gainer i love to talk but i hate to write yeah it's a lot easier to talk you know what i mean Sure. So, yeah. yeah. That's why I I like doing podcasts. I don't like writing articles. That's hard work. But, <laughs> I hear you. But Dan, remember that first night? I gotta tell people a funny story. I I wasn't gonna have this put on here at first, but it's so funny we might as well say it. The first day I met Dan, after we had that great talk, Dan came to my gym, had a great workout. I think it was on a Friday or a Saturday. It was like a weekend night, but I forget exactly what day it was. But we planned on going around the corner to an Irish pub called Fado, and it's it's one of the best Irish bars in D.C., right? And they have good food in there, right? So after the workout, me and Dan were going to go over and just get a bite to eat. So we go over there just planning on getting a bite to eat, but they had a great Irish band in there, a kick-ass Irish band. I think they were called the Donegal Express, and they just play kick-ass music like the Wild Colonial Boy and all this you know, foot stomping music, and it was uh, it was just great. So we stayed for one song and had a half and half, stayed for another song, had a black and tan, stayed for another song, and then we closed that place down, man. We we were there till about 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You remember that yeah, night? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that night. I had to... Uh... Uh, and my 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 wife, I think fiance at the time was with us. And I remember right. uh, after after dropping you <laughs> off, I, we we had to go like to Taco Bell and get something to eat and like chill out for a while before I drove home. And you had a long drive because I mean you you were living north of Baltimore most of the time. I knew you I mean, just north, like you know, right outside the city line. So so yeah, yeah, it's about an hour hour and a half. What got you started in uh, grip training? You know, how did you first get interested in it? Uh, well, I guess when uh, my interest was more in strength training, you know, again, I found like Arthur Jones and, you know, Nautilus Bullets and stuff like that. And the focus was, was on getting strong first and, and not, you know, uh, the bodybuilding aspect of it. And uh, uh, so that's when I started putting an emphasis on, you know, on my numbers, you know, my squat, deadlift, you know, pressing and things like that. And I found that, um, my grip was the limiting factor in my deadlift. So started, uh, you know, researching ways to get stronger hands. Uh, I believe at this time I was also reading dinosaur training and learned about the captains of cross grippers. Uh, so that's where it started. I got, um, uh, I bought a number one and, uh, uh, I was able to close that out of the package. The number two, uh, I feel like maybe I got for Christmas or something, and it took me a couple weeks before I closed that one. And then number three took um, basically a year. I carried that thing around in my pocket, my back pocket, for probably six months, and would just randomly pull it out and and you know and and attempt it. And I did that like every day for for weeks or months on end. And uh, uh, did you did you get certified with me for the number three, or did you go somewhere else for that? No, actually, Mark Kashishian was my my judge or my my witness for that, which oh, okay. is when I did my first strongman workout. He was a he was a pro strongman. He lived in. Uh, uh, Rockville, I believe, and he had a whole setup in his in his backyard, like a uh, thousand pound tire, you know, a four hundred and fifty pound yoke, all stones of different sizes. He had the power stairs. He had a Conan's wheel where he actually had a sidewalk made mm-hmm. in a circle in his backyard with you know for for Conan's wheel. <laughs> I mean, it was a strongman playground. But uh, wow. yeah, so that was my that was my first strongman workout. I was so. a judge for Randy Strawson, so I had 
I had two or three guys come to me to close the number three gripper. I just forgot if you were one of them, but I had a couple of other guys do it. What was your training regimen to do that? I mean, was it just you random instinctively squeezing or did you have a planned routine or how did you do it? Uh, yeah, I basically randomly squeezed throughout the day for, like I said, I carried that thing around in my back pocket and I just, you know, would just give it attempts and, uh, I was close, you know, after I could, I mean, after I could close the two, uh, you know, I worked on that for a little bit. Um, so I was, I was getting it to parallel or better. Uh, so I would just randomly attempt it throughout the day. I mean, it might be, you know, three times it might be 10 times maybe i didn't do it at all that day you know whatever uh but then i would have a, a workout once a week where i you know actually did things like um you know timed holds uh or mm-hmm. negatives you know i'd shut it with two hands and then you know uh just do the negative or uh beyond the range so you with a gripper that you can close if you shave the inside down a little bit where the handles right. shave that down uh, and you can, you know, make it so you have another whatever, you know, quarter inch, half inch that you have to shut that gripper to actually close it. So I did some mm-hmm. beyond the range training. I did, um, I did some things uh, like uh, where you would grind the handles together. So, you know, you're kind of, you, you're, you're closing the hand because see the grippers, you have to you have to position it right. Like you wouldn't think like technique's a big thing in closing grippers. I mean, you know, it's a pretty simple thing. Uh, but if you don't place that in your hand right, your fingers might get in the way, uh, and you're not going to shut it no matter how strong you are. Or if you choke up on it and hold it by the spring, well, you're not going to have good leverage. So there's a, a a place in your hand that you have to hold it. Uh, so if you get a lighter one closed and then like grind the handle back and forth, you're kind of, uh, you're playing around with that close in like slightly different angles. That'll make you stronger. Should you grab the gripper with an imperfect hold, you know, you, you still got strength in those little different angles and, you know, and things like that. And actually John Brookfield, he had this technique where he used, he would hang the gripper from a string, light gripper, trainer, maybe a number one. And as you know, John Brookfield was, uh, I believe, the second man to ever close the number three. And I think the first man to ever bend the red nail. Anyway, wow. what he would do is he would, hang, he would hang a gripper off of a string and then just, like, snatch it out of the, you know, from that hang and crush it however he could. So he's getting a... Uh, an inefficient hold. He's not getting a good grip on it. He would purposely hang it and let you know, just grab it and squeeze it. And from wherever he grabbed it from, he would he would close it. So all of these different like um, methods that uh, you know John Brookfield wrote about in like the Grip Master's Manual, Mastery of Hand Strength. Those were his two books. Like I I did a lot of those things. I don't remember them all now because it's been like, geez, that was back in 2003 when I closed it, uh, when I certified. So, you know, 14 years ago. And I can still close it. Uh, And now, these days, I just use a more, you know, I'll do maybe five to eight reps with the number two and then uh, a bunch of singles or maybe doubles or triples with the three and might do that once a week. Do you ever use the Titans Telegraph key or any kind of uh, barbell, you know, weighted grip machines? For grip strength in general, yeah. Uh, For training for the number three, no, not really. Um, uh, But now, I, you know, I have, uh, I actually picked it up from a um, Play It Again Sports. It's a, uh, what he call it, crushed to dust. Iron Mine made it, and it's a two-hand gripper. They sold it from, like, 95 and 96. That was it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a two-hand plate-loaded gripper that I like to use. Um, Titan's Telegraph Key, that was, like, for pinch gripping, right? Right. Yeah, so I never used any, like, plate-loaded 
pinch grip things, but I would like, you know, pinch grip plates, you know, you sandwich them together, smooth side out, lift them like that. Or uh, I actually made a, a, a pinch gripper out of a, a pony clamp. So I, I, I took the ends off, and, and I think there's holes inside the, you know, on the handles of the clamp. And I just put, like, um, I mounted a little, like, wooden block on each side of it. And then I used that for pinch gripping. Were there any type of uh, wrist curls or anything dealing with barbells that help you grip a lot? Of- yeah, not not training for the number three gripper in particular. Pretty much what I did for that was I just trained grippers, but being, you know, just training the hands, like either now or if it was for a contest or if I'm, you know, doing a, uh, you know, a specialized grip routine. Yeah, I um, I, I think there's probably few things that uh, that I, I haven't used or or don't use still, but yeah, barbell wrist curls. I like to do those with a fat bar. Uh, mm-hmm. Reverse wrist curls. I use um, this device called the formulator. Uh, mm-hmm. John Wood, he, he sold that for a number of years. Uh, I don't think they make it anymore. I think that the manufacturer went out of business, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice little implement for doing reverse wrist curls. Uh, right. But yeah, a lot of thick bar work, uh, sledge levering, um, like I said, pinch gripping, blobs, you know, York blobs, the uh, block weights. I'll do those. Farmer's walks, uh, as you talked about in our, uh, you know, the farmer's walk around the around the block. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the grip helped you for that because once you grabbed onto it, you know, your hands just didn't give out. You could hold it almost all the way around the block. And then, yeah, yeah. you're only like 10 feet away from doing it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that was close. The only reason I had to put it down was like, I don't know, I must not have been breathing or something because I got lightheaded. Like, I was like, everything, I started to black out. <laughs> right. You were going fast, too. Like, you have the key to it. A lot of guys kind of walk and they don't, you know, you go fast and you're almost jogging with them, you know, but you can do it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So, Dan, in your strongman competitions, what are the events that you competed in? Uh, most of your standard strongman events, you know, you've got log press, axle, clean and press. Uh, there's tire flip, yoke walk, stone loads, sandbag carry, keg carry, sled drag, uh, chain drags. Um, those were the those were the big ones. Farmers walk. Uh, I think us farmers walked up to 350 in arm or three. I know I've done 330. Uh, yeah, so those were those are the big ones. Conan's wheel. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh, Strongman has evolved a, a lot since I've competed. It's been uh, well, it's been 10 years since I won the Maryland Strongest. Uh, eight years since I. Uh, I did my last. I did my last contest in 2008. My last strongman contest. So Dan, what were your favorite events? My favorite event would definitely be farmers walk. Yeah, anything anything involving grip, I I did well with, uh, and also uh, a lot of the the carries. I I, I can move with weight pretty good, um, like the Conan's wheel. I was I was uh, pretty good at the Conan's wheel as well. What got you started in uh, bending? Mm, started in bending. Well, I guess I was introduced to it through Iron Mind and their Red Nail Challenge. Uh, my first competition before I competed in strongman was a, was actually a grip competition. Uh, so I guess through Cyber Pump, I found uh, the grip board. And uh, that was, um, you know, it's like this whole sub subculture of of strongmen or strength athletes that, you know, they they they, they close grippers, they pinch plates, they they train their grip in any which way possible, you know, things like the inch dumbbell, uh, but they also bent. And uh, I. One of the guys on there had a, a grip competition, 
in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, and uh, I went up there. And Bending was one of the one of the um, uh, one of the events, and uh, so you know, started training for that band. And uh, I always knew I'd one day bend the red nail because I don't know. I just I just kind of knew that I, I that I would do it, and. Uh, I'm a sucker for those challenges, like the number three gripper, you know, oh, close this, you know, bet you can't close this. Oh, I bet you I can. Bet you can't bend this nail. I bet you I can. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know. So, you you, you like, used uh, to bend all kinds of stuff. What What are some of the most impressive uh, things you've bent? I would say uh, some of the, the wine racks that I make now. Uh, so you make wine cool. racks by bending them? Yeah, That's pretty yeah, cool. I, I do. Um, I'm looking at one right now. Actually, it was a four foot piece of, I believe this is three eighths by three quarters inch steel, uh, hot rolled steel, and I ended up putting like three coils in it, and uh, yeah, made it into a pretty sweet wine rack, <laughs> but. Um, you know, so so just so your your listeners know and understand, I mean, the the red nail is a sh- is a short bend. It's a seven inch piece of five sixteenths inch diameter cold rolled steel, and iron mine rules state that you have to bend it uh, at chest level or you know waist level uh, unbraced. So that means you can't you can't bend it over your your leg or anything like that. Your you, your bar or your hands can't touch any other part of the body. So those are the, the, you know, part of the rules for that. You also have to use their wraps and stuff like that and, and do it in under a minute. Uh, but that's a short bend. So then you have braced bending where maybe it's, um, maybe it's a, uh, a hundred penny nail or a, uh, you know, a 12 inch spike you know, or or wrench or something like that. And you would bend that over your hip or your leg. That's a braced bend. Then you have um, uh, long bar bending. So maybe it's a piece of rebar or, uh, you know, like a a four-foot bar that's obviously it's going to be a lot thicker, half inch by one inch, something like that. So that one, Mm -hmm. you know, you might bend around your leg or over your shoulder. Uh, so that's a long bar bend, and typically those are just bent to a U, uh, or maybe crossed over to, to like a fish. Uh, right. And then you have scrolling, which is what I mentioned with the wine rack. Uh, you know, for at least four foot, but it could be as long as 20, 20 foot piece of steel that you, you, you know, bend into an abstract shape or, uh, you know, some kind of iron bonsai or, or, you know, wine rack or pretzel or, you know, whatever. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at vitalnutritionstore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. 
All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen to maximize your natural muscular and strength potential. Please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation, a masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I-R-O-N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on MindForce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on MindForce Radio.
horseshoe bending. You got frying pans. You know, you roll frying pans up. Uh, yeah. So Have you, you done frying pans? Uh huh. Sure. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, Dan, tell yeah, us about your fun. personal training business now. How's that going? It's going well. I've got a 1,600-square-foot facility in uh, Perry Hall, and that's just just north of Baltimore City. Uh, it's right here in the, in the county. Uh, I specialize in kettlebell training and strongman. Uh, I've actually got a really good, a really uh, strong, no pun intended, female group, strong woman group. Uh, where, you know, a couple of the girls are competing. Uh, one girl, she's won Time City Strongest Woman contest um, twice. Once was a pro-am contest. So, uh, yeah, I got a good group of girls and, um, uh, you know, good group. Uh, we'll call it the Baltimore Kettlebell Club. Um, kind of made, doing a little rebranding thing from art and strength. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, with the steel bending and the artwork that I do, it was kind of my way of just combining the two, but, uh, calling the gym, Baltimore kettlebell club, so be in the area, definitely come check us out, but it's, uh, it's group classes and it's personal training. Wow. So tell us a little bit, little bit more about the name art and strength. So the art is coming from how you're making wine racks and stuff. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh-huh. That's right. That's pretty cool. Now, do, do you sell so, those? I mean, do you sell wine racks that you bend? I do, yeah. yeah so they're I on the sell, website, uh, artandstrength.com. Uh, I have pictures of them, uh, and it's, I tried to sell them online, but it's. Um, I, I just don't want to deal with that. You know, it's hard to sell art from a picture, you know? Right. Uh, well, Dan, and then, you I know, want one. I want one, okay, so good. make one for me. <laughs> All right. All right. That would be cool, man. So uh, tell us about the work you did with the Baltimore Ravens. Let's see. Interesting story how it happened. Um, uh, I was actually doing a kettlebell seminar, and I was in, in, in attendance. It was actually a certification uh, in Cincinnati. And I was staying with uh, with Kim Wood, and got to talking to him, and he told me uh, I ought to uh, reach out to Jeff Friday, who at the time was the head strength and conditioning coach of the Ravens. He said, "Yeah, I know him. He's a good guy." And uh, you know, Brian Bilicek, he's one of the you know top coaches in the NFL, and you know they're both real good guys. And reach out to Jeff and. Uh, you know, drop my name and, you know, see if he's got anything for you. So I did that. Uh, I think I emailed him. Maybe I called him. I don't recall. But uh, um, he uh, he told me at first, uh, and this is going back again. This is 10 years, so let, let me think about this. But I think it is the first call we talked, and um, – he told me that he wasn't going to fill the position, or that they didn't have anything. That's what it was. He told me they didn't have anything. Well, the very next day, I got a phone call from his assistant strength coach, Paul Ritchie. And Paul was buying equipment from Kim Wood's son, John Wood, functionalhandstrength.com. He was buying, I don't know, hand grippers or something from John. Just talking to John and says, hey, we have a positioning open up here. Uh, in Baltimore, you know anybody you want, that you can recommend? He says, yeah, call my friend Dan. So the very next day after I spoke with Jeff Friday, Paul Ritchie calls me and he says, hey, this is Paul from Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, got your, your your number from John Wood. He said, uh, you know, we've got a positioning a position opening up here. said you might be interested. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I so, thought you, I so thought how you didn't often have did you, anything open. How often did you? Yeah, uh, how often did you go in there? Did you go in and uh, were you like an assistant or what? It was yeah. Uh, okay, so basically, I just helped out for the rookie camp. Um, I went in there probably most days a week. Uh, it was very informal, and it was nothing, you know. Glamorous. I mean, I just, you know, moving equipment, loading plates, wiping up sweat, right, just helping out, pulling, pull, 
pulling charts, you know, cleaning, whatever. Uh, a couple times I did get to take players through workouts, you know. Um, you know, again, mostly rookies. Uh, uh, but the big thing was I got to train. And that right. was, you know, you going into there and, you know, it, it brings your game up. Like, you know, you got guys in there that could squat a thousand pounds and they don't care. Like, you know, so what? Like, they, you know, I get paid millions to, 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 you know, to score touchdowns. Like, I don't care about this lifting <laughs> weight stuff. I'll, I'll do it because, you know, I know it helps me or I'll do it because, you know, coach makes me or I'll do it because I get paid to. But they didn't care about strength. They were so strong, you know, freaking giants and freaks of, you know, genetic freaks. So I would go in at like 5 a.m. and 5.30 or whatever, and uh, the, you know, Jeff would have one of the other assistant coaches or think that like, we weren't assistant strength coach. We were like strength coach assistants. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, he would have one of one of those guys take me through the workout. And Jeff was a very, you know, hit guy, high-intensity training, you know. It was like a, you know, one set to failure kind of thing, you know, one or two. And uh, and I think part of that is, is you know, it, it's efficient when you have, you know, 50 guys you got to take through a workout. You know, you can't have everybody standing around doing three sets of 10 on the bench. It's like you hit it hard, move on to the next station, um, but you were, there were still the waiting and changing plates. But what we would do, what I would do is true HIT form. And so I'd go through and set all 10 exercises up to all 10 machines up with my weight and what I was going to use. And then I would go through it back to back with no rest. This was before the players came in. So, right. you know, I had the whole gym to myself and, the, you know, the coach taking me through it. So That's uh, awesome. You know, yeah, oh, it was great you know, quality hammer strength equipment or, or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, I made some impressive gains that year, and that was the year that I won the Maryland Strongest, too. So, Dan, we have time for one more. You've done some impressive work and had great results training seniors. Please tell us a little bit about that. So my first paid position as, uh, uh, you know, in the fitness industry was with Oak Crest Retirement Community. And uh, I took the position, and bear in mind, I interviewed with all the big box gyms around here and kind of saw how they operated and just, you know, just knew it wasn't for me. Um, and I interviewed with uh, with Oakcrest, and uh, while seniors wasn't my thing, like, uh, you know, I was very... Uh, how would you say? But put it this way: my wife always used to yell at me for, like, not like holding my grandmother's arm when we walked across the street, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know, I just wasn't. I just didn't think that way. I didn't know how to, you know, how how to to treat them. I guess I didn't know how to interact with them too much. Yeah, I was uncomfortable with the the elderly. Uh, but I took the position because. There was, I saw opportunity there to really expand my horizon, teach group exercise classes. They had a TV studio there, so I wanted to be able to get up in front of a camera and teach teach a class, you know, make a DVD, which I did, and they still play this day. But anyway, I got started there. Uh, that was my first paid position. A year later, I was working with the Ravens. I was still – so I, I had a very wide range of people I was working with. But coming from the background that I had, strongman and powerlifting and, you know, strength-related stuff, um, obviously my work with them was a little bit different than some of the the people that I, that I worked with. It wasn't your typical, you know, uh, we're going to do leg extensions, leg curls. No, we're going to squat. You know, forget those machines. Here, I want you to hold this dumbbell and squat. Oh, good, you can do 10 pounds. Let's try 15. You know, and I really encouraged the strength aspect, especially of squatting and and deadlifting. And we didn't do barbell deadlifts, but, you know, RDLs, that kind of thing, and, uh, you know, posterior chain work. So, anyway, I had this unique, um, uh, I guess, training that I did with some of these, these folks. And I found out a couple things about them. One, 
they took their exercise serious. Those people, they show up because they realize that if they don't do their exercise, they don't get up and do their exercises, they're that much closer to using a walker for the rest of their life or a scooter or being, you know, in assisted living. So they, they realize the connection between their health and wellness much better than, than – Exactly. They, they, you know, they, they see that connection better. So the term use it or lose it, much more real to them, and they show up. They are, and they put in the work. Yeah, it's not the kind of work that, you know, guys at the Ravens were doing or, you know, what, what, what we might do on Strongman Saturday here. They're not, it's not that kind of intensity, but they're consistent, and their work matches their ability level. So I really appreciated that. Two, they really appreciated me. Because, you know, again, you're working with athletes, eh, you know, whatever, you know, they don't care. You know, it's not like you're making a difference in their lives. Whereas these folks, you know, you're helping them walk. You're helping them not move into assisted living. So they really appreciated it. And it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was it was cool. I, I, I enjoyed working with them. I was very surprised at that because I thought I would have enjoyed working with the athletes and the coaches and the big and strong. And I didn't think I would like working with the, you know, the old people, but the reverse right. was true, you know? And, um, anyway, so I built up some good experience working with them and I had, uh, several ladies, um, really make some progress with uh with with kettlebell training and um i started teaching a group exercise class a kettlebell class to the employees at oakcrest and uh, i have one lady she joined my class because she found out she had osteopenia so that's the precursor for osteoporosis and like the early stages and uh, so, you know, doc recommends, you know, you should do some weight-bearing exercise. So she starts doing kettlebells with me. Well, two years later, uh, she, her bone loss, which would have been normal for a postmenopausal woman, there's a short, certain range that, would, you know, this would be normal loss, stopped. So she didn't lose any in that first two years. The second wow. two years, two years later, she actually built bone mass and got out of osteopenia into normal bone range. So I'm like, wow. And this is just with kettlebell training. This is not deadlifts and squats. I mean, yeah, we, we squat, we deadlift and do swings, but, you know, kettlebells are relatively lightweight. You're looking for a bunch of reps. It's not like a heavy pull that's loading the axial skeleton, which is what causes the bone growth. Well, so that got me thinking and, uh, you know, I had other, uh, you know, older women that were, um, that, that you know, were in class for a while and, and, you know, and they were getting regular DEXA scans, the bone scans. Hey, I'd like to see your results. And come back uh, time after time, I had, uh, what, one, two, three, four people now, four postmenopausal women who have shown improvements in bone density. And that's you know all through weight training. No, no pharmaceutical interventions. No, uh, you know, no no drugs. No special diets or anything like that. Just training. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, cool stuff. Like I said, and this is the this is the stuff that changes lives. That's great. I always thought that training athletes was overrated. I mean, when you first get into the field, you want to do it. You're excited, but after you train a few of them professional ones I'm talking about, not the college ones, but after you train a few professional athletes, you kind of realize that it's it's very overrated. I mean, like I tell people all the time that my best clients, some of the hardest clients I train were lawyers, you know, because D.C.'s filled with lawyers. But I had guys come in that were strong and busted their ass and worked hard. And even some of the old people like you're talking about, their attitudes were way better. They trained way harder. And most of them were even stronger. I mean, they, I had some young lawyers who were stronger than uh, the pro athletes, you know. So I agree with you. I think it's overrated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Big Dano, that's going to be a wrap. And thanks so much for your time and for being on the show. Please give us your website again where people can contact you before you sign off. Sure. Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's uh, 
Website's www.artandstrength.com. That's A-R-T-A-N-D, strength.com. Or if you're local, BaltimoreKettlebellClub.com. Dan, thanks a lot. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me, Bob. Don't be a flamingo. You have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo. Real lifters work their legs. Remember these two great websites, physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. Write them down and visit them often. physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on mindforceradio.com. Please bookmark that website, mindforceradio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.